Good morning. This is Jim Coburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm here with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcasts and blog. We'd like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any specific trading system, strategy, or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is December 15th, 2022. And Andy, we we have, a, as always, we have a lot to talk about. Good morning. Let's let's get right into Russia. Okay. Good morning, Jim. And uh, hello, everybody. It's been an incredible year, actually. And uh, certainly... Russia has been uh, front and center since February, since since the uh, since the invasion. Uh, we've had sanctions levied upon sanctions, and uh, now we are into the embargo period, where uh, the EU has embargoed Russian crude, uh, and in February they're going to embargo Russian products. Now, despite all the sanctions and the uh, embargoes. Russia has been able to export almost as much as they did prior to the invasion. And uh, last month, according to the, the IEA, they, they were able to export 5 million barrels a day of, uh, of crude. Uh, they've been able to place their European market with uh, the Asian market, uh, in particular, India has taken up uh, much of their, uh, their lost market. Uh, they lost the European market, and China has also stepped up to um, take up a bit more uh, of their lost uh, European market. And the Russians have been able to try, at least, to diversify so, some of their uh, some of their sales. So we're in the embargo period, and, and uh, it looks as if you know Europe has been weaning itself off. Uh, Russian crudes. They uh, last month they imported only about half a million barrels a day of seaborne crude. Plus they imported um, uh, probably six hundred thousand barrels a day of, of pipeline crude. Maybe uh, so another three hundred thousand of that is going to be lost with the embargo, which will leave them through the friendship pi- pipeline another three hundred thousand barrels a day. Um, so there's 800,000 barrels a day that uh, Russian has to find a, a new home for. Uh, whether or not they're able to is is a big unknown in in the market. Uh, certainly, um, they're going to try to export, increase exports to uh, Asia and, and um, you know other other quote unquote other destinations, um, and we'll see how successful they are. Certainly, a, a big impediment is uh, the tankers. They're going to need tankers to, to uh, do longer voyages if they are able to sell them. And of course, Jim, the big, you know, they'll be able to sell them at, a, at an increasing discount. And that, of course, is, um, you know, one of the 
one of the uh, end games for uh, the EU and the US is to um, have Russian revenue from uh, from petroleum sales reduced. And, uh, you know, it looks as it looks as if it's working, despite, you know, they came up with this price cap, um, which, you know, really is at the end of the day is, is probably uh, unworkable. So it looks as though, however, it looks as though the whole strategy for now uh, looks to be uh, fairly successful. Now, the second thing we'll be looking at is in February, uh, there's an embargo on refined products exports to uh, Europe. And that's mostly you know, the most important thing is the diesel, which is around 600,000 barrels a day. Again, we'll see if they're able to sell total refined products production is probably exports, you know, it's probably near a million barrels a day. And we'll see how they're able to market that. If they're not able to market the the products, they'll have to reduce production. So I think overall, what we're working with at CRG is we've got 1.2 million barrels a day of, of reduced production, but it could be zero. If if it's if they're able to you know if they're able to market those barrels if they can find buyers at what you know whatever whatever price yeah um, the the price of euros right now is still under sixty dollars right yeah is it yep. pretty it's pretty close I guess it's close yeah it's close to under right I'm wondering I mean part of the part of this uh, price cap was to try to keep Russian oil on the marketplace and reduce their revenues. I mean, they didn't want to disrupt, you know, I mean, you're disrupting oil transport, but you still want to keep a lot of oil on the market to keep prices down. So I think, you know, does, is it possible that having this price cap gives a green light to countries to buy some Russian oil as long as it's below $60? They'll go ahead and do it even and not worry about getting uh, the wrath of Europe or in, and um, feeling the wrath of Europe in the U.S.? I mean, is, it, is, it, is that possible? Yeah, it's, cer it's certainly possible. Again, they have to get, uh, because under the price cap scheme, they have to get, they can't get European insurance right. uh, shipping, so they have to get their own shipping and, and uh, insurance, which is growing increasingly costly. Because you know there's big demand for tankers right now, particularly ice breaking tankers, right. uh, to get crude out of the out of the Baltics. So yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm an options guy, Andy. I don't think about ice breaking issues. <laughs> you know, it's, but you're right. I mean, it's you think about oil. You know, you have to move this stuff. It's there's it's, right. Yeah. So, so, so let let's get back. So there you have. You know, there you have where Russian, where, where is Russian production going to fall? It, it's running, you know, it's running pretty high right now. It's at 10.9 to 11 million barrels a day, which is close, just a few hundred thousand barrels a day below where it was uh, before the uh, before the invasion. So is that going to fall as, is it, it's anywhere between zero and 1.7 million barrels a day. Uh, you know, there it lies, you know, that's a pretty big Delta, right? Yeah. I mean, it, there is a consensus though, wouldn't you say, or is it, or not? Yeah. The consensus is around a million. 
is around a million. And and what's what's your feeling on that? Is it what's you, what's your under over on the, on the million? Yeah, as I said, I have uh, you know I'm I'm sort of at one point two, but I'm not ruling out you know it could be much lower than that. It could be it could be higher than that. Uh, I mean, again, just, some of it's going to be price determined how low they they discount uh, where demand falls. You know, are the Chinese going to want to increase increase their purchases of, of Russian euros at a cheap price to put it into storage? Maybe. Yeah, it, it's 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 interesting. I keep going back. Um, you know, Russia. These are your friends. They're they're. They're buying your oil at a deep discount, you know, <laughs> right. right? I mean, that's that's what the friendship pipeline is all about, I guess. Yeah. So we have underestimated the amount of oil that's been that Russia's been able to market and products all year long. Would you say that's correct? Oh yeah. I mean, you, you know, the IEA was talking about a three million barrel a day. Uh, decline in Russian in Russian production, and it turned you know, out to be probably averaged. Yeah, it's probably averaged uh, maybe half a million barrels a day, maybe higher than that, a lo uh, lower than that, a loss of Russian production. And as I said, you know they're pretty close to where they were in January right now. So let's keeping with the uh, supply issues, um, OPEC plus change uh reduce well their last last meeting was unchanged but they've uh talked about reducing two million barrels a day and um what's what are you seeing from opec plus production well opec is probably down according to their last numbers they, they were down around eight hundred thousand barrels a day i'm sorry seven hundred thousand barrels a day and of course, most of that is uh, Saudi and um, Iraq. Oh, yeah, the Persian Gulf, the UAE, the Persian Gulf producers uh, plus Iraq. I think that 20, 20, they were at 28.8, 28.8 million barrels a day last um, last month. And I think for the for the remainder, uh, what, what I have them as around 29 for the rest the 29 million barrels a day for the rest of um 2023 but of course you know that that can change based on where the market is and whatever geopolitical developments uh, are, are underway so um you know they talked about 2 million barrels a day uh for OPEC plus and they they could meet that if Russia's production go Russia's an OPEC plus producer if if Russian production falls you know around a million barrels a day you know then you have 1.7 however uh there's going to be uh an, an increase of production out of uh kazakhstan maybe um azerbaijan as well maybe so net you know again i think opec's going to be pretty steady at, the, at this level near 29 million barrels a day Maybe you know Nigeria is talking about perhaps increasing production. We'll we'll see Venezuela as well talking about increasing uh, production. But um, I, I would say twenty nine million barrels a day is a pretty safe bet. And then we'll see where the plus of OPEC plus comes in, mm -hmm. um, right? Before and again, that's dependent on uh, what happens with Russian production. And we'll probably we'll see it 
after i mean they, they're having these monthly meetings and they tend to you know you don't you don't see the leakage first maybe you see the policy stated first and then and then the move you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i i think um again it's more orderly you know, this, it, it seems to be more yeah it seems to be more orderly although they didn't really project that two million barrels a day cut i guess they didn't want to you know get the administration as mad as they got before they had to uh the biden administration as mad as they got uh, as mad as they got at this at the saudis yeah let's talk about uh another number that we are trying to nail down china consumption oh right <laughs> very you know certainly not an easy number this year china certainly had a they were down probably we have them down 300,000 barrels a day from last year's number and uh next year Andy what was that number coming into the year uh, it was it was up about that amount right oh coming in yeah. yeah 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 coming in they were looking at uh up yeah at least up about a half million barrels a day so China came in, and you know, there's a big, there, there's certainly a, a major, major switch mm-hmm. from, um, you know, that's that's nearly a million barrels a day, right? Anyway, the, certainly they've now they've now changed their, as we all know, they've they've gone away from the zero COVID policy, which the market got very excited about, but and I think the market remembered. What happened to all of us when uh, there, when some of the restrictions were lifted, and uh, you know how how brutal that could be in terms of um, people just getting sick and overwhelming the hospitals, and what it did to demand. So it's it's hard to say that Chinese demand is really going to boom in the first half. I don't think it will. I think it's going to be unchanged to lower in the first half, and then maybe by the second half there'll be, you know, decent growth. I mean, there could be, there could be a really nice, you know, there could be a really nice pop in in, sec, in third or fourth quarter next year. But again, there's another, you know, fairly big unknown to the market. So all these numbers we're talking about, we we end with, there's a huge unknown about the marketplace. Yeah. And, it, right. and I think we, we were having this conversation before we started taping, but, um, why don't you talk about the second half of the year and the EIA, uh, which is the U.S.'s DOE's stats and analysis arm, and the IEA, the International uh, Energy Agency out of Paris, their divergent looks at the second half of the year in terms of stock builds and draws. You know, Jim, you, you uh, wanted to make sure that I saw the IEA balances on one of the the news services and you know i looked at it and i almost immediately said to or yeah what i wanted to say is check the check the check the u.s balances because the iea is showing draws in the second half of an average let's say of 1.6 1.7 million barrels a day u.s government is showing builds of 700,000 barrels a day. So the 2.2 million barrels a day away 
on where they think the second half of the year is. And you know what? I don't blame either one of them. I think that, you know, either one could be right, depending <laughs> on the depending on the scenarios, right? Either one could be right. Boy, um, I saw I saw that um, supply demand balance chart from the IEA, and I I want to get my uh, grandmother to open up a commodities account and start yeah, buying calls. Yeah, right. You know, it's just holy cow. That was right. Very, well, it, and it's widest exactly. that. You know, it's widest at the end of the year. Yeah. Now, what we have, what what we're looking at is uh, we've got draws in the second half as well. Our average draw is around 750,000 barrels a day uh, with the fourth quarter looking pretty strong. You know, do I have a lot of confidence in that? No, because every single one of my variables could be wrong. You know, right. OPEC, I think the OPEC production is going to be okay. Not In terms of non-OPEC production, the big swing, uh, of course, as we said, ad nauseum, is Russia. And uh, then, you know, non-OPEC production is, is due to grow nicely this year, excluding Russia. Uh, but it's the usual suspects, you know, in Norway, the U.S., Brazil, Guyana, you know, are they all going to come through? Now, one bit of Excellent news for consumers and for Europe is that Norway, uh, Norway's big field, they they are up two hundred thousand barrels a day. Whether their their second their latest phase of production just kicked in, mm. and um, you know that's that's a Urals like crude. Wow. Um, so that that's you know great news for uh, Europe. That um, you know, there's there's an extra two hundred thousand barrels a day of um, light sour crude coming. You know that's going to be produced in, in Europe, and I'm sure will be demanded by Europe. That's great. In uh, Brazil, you know, Jim, Brazil, we'll see, right? We'll we'll see how they come through. And uh, I know we want to talk a lot about the U.S. production. We'll see where we come in. Go and for Guyana, it. Guyana is expected to to grow production uh, production as well this year. Guyana, that's unbelievable. Have they been invited to be an OPEC country yet? I mean, OPEC member. You know, if they know what's good for them, they'll they'll stay independent. <laughs> they get to go to Vienna. <laughs> they get to go to Vienna. Maybe they get some good inside information. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. You you mentioned U.S. production um, expected to be up. In 2023, not as much as 2022. Talk talk about that. Yeah, that has been a. Uh, I think it's been a real real disappointment. I know to both of us, uh, yeah. we thought that U.S. product crude production would be uh, much higher than where it's ending. I, th- I think it'll it'll end up around, I don't know, five to six hundred thousand barrels a day, and you would have thought. Based on past performance, uh, that we'd be up on crude production, you know, closer to a million barrels a day, given where the price is. And yeah. uh, right, I mean, and it, it didn't it didn't come in for a variety of for a variety of reasons. I, Andy, I mentioned this to be before the uh, the EIA has an excellent uh, series called This Week in Petroleum, and th- and this week they have a a nice chart showing the cash flow. Uh, the, the extremely high 
positive cash flow to U.S. Uh, producers and a a capex level that's not at its peak compared to other, you know, just just a few years ago. And so, obviously, talks about this. This is a story that's been around for a while. You know, they're they're buying back shares and they're and they're increasing dividends. And so, you know, there's there's discipline. I mean, I, I we we grew up thinking. I mean, in our experience, when the price was right, oil companies drill. And there seems to be more discipline, which is what we've been hearing. And you know, there's bottlenecks, but um, you know, you would think that this maybe maybe the capex spending, you know, you can't compare it dollar for dollar to the last peak. Maybe it's much more efficient capex spending and much more profitable areas than than in the past. But um, still, it's we're not we're not seeing that supply response that we you and I had thought we would would see. Yeah, uh, and uh, that, that's certainly been a, a pretty uh, that's been a built bullish factor all year long that these numbers are coming in lower than uh, expects. Uh, next year, the um, EIA is looking for an increase of 500,000 barrels a day of uh, crude. And uh, on NGLs, they're looking for about 400,000 barrels a day increase after a 500,000 barrel a day increase uh, for for natural gas liquids for um, for this year. And I guess that was a good story. You know, that was a big story that yeah. uh, NGLs increased as much as they did. And I, 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 you'd have to say that based on this last year, that the EIA is going to be that that number is probably close to right. The other thing is you, you're the the correlation between the rig count and the production. You know that's fallen by the wayside because rig count has grown all all year, mm-hmm. and production hasn't grown you know anywhere near as as much as the uh, as much as the rig count. Mm, interesting that capex idea that there's just you know it's gonna uh dampen um increase supply was probably uh spurred a lot of long-term bullish calls in the marketplace that just haven't materialized yet and you know when i look at what people are actually doing in the world of options the the, the call side upside call structure is dominated by these uh, $1 call strikes. So, you know, when I look at the top open interest strikes, I get uh, the June 119, 120, and 121 calls. And the, and the, ni- the 119, 121 have 70 to 75,000 outstanding contracts. The June 120 is 35,000. Some of that is $1 call spread trading, but there's also outright call buying. So this is June of 23. And these were put on, you know, a little while ago. Feb 104, 105 call spreads, like 45,000 of those. Similar amounts to the 114, 115 call spread in Feb and the 119, 120 call spread in Feb. Some people talk about this being a um, a hedge against the, the these uh, digital options where you know, if a price threshold is reached, a cash payment is made, and and these would be market makers while setting that. I'm not quite sure that's that's correct. It could be just a kind of a a hedge fund that wants to get long these these um you know a bullish play 
in a, in a big way should it uh, pop. More recently, we you know as we get, came out of Thanksgiving, we saw uh, Jan options uh, in crude WTI, which go off today, pop in in implied vol, and and you know part of that was probably the the uh, OPEC meeting and also the uh, Russian uh, embargo taking place. However, as we know, these things, you know, it just, it's not like, just, was it December 5th, I think was the day? It's not like December 5th shows up and all of a sudden the embargo happens. People anticipate. And so I'm not sure exactly why that Jan vol popped up. But Feb went the other way. Feb's now around 44%. And that, that's kind of low. I mean, from where it's been uh, recently, I was looking at the Feb crude, Feb heating oil implied vol spread because I thought maybe you'd see heating oil become much more volatile than uh, crude with you know winter coming on. And originally the um, spread was about eight points. It's narrowed to about two points now with the heating oil over. So um, I'll keep keep an eye on that thing, see what happens. But um, yeah, so more recently we're seeing more call volume trade. And people are at, at these lower prices. Uh, people are definitely uh, opening up new positions on the call side. So there's still this, you know, eternal bullish view that uh, this market's going up into the the hundreds area. I don't, I don't know. Um, I guess all the banks are are touting that view, right? Yeah, and you know, I know that one of the big banks just reduced its estimate for fourth and. Uh, and first quarter, they were they were looking for uh, prices to average a hundred dollars in the in the fourth quarter, and that clearly is wrong. But I, I think that their uh, you know the, their big thesis is that uh, which you spoke about, Jim, the, the cap ed, that we're we're under investing in um, in all commodities, even even at, with the higher prices, that the capex didn't grow as much, and the, that could lead to shortages later on. And uh, certainly, if demand is is you know if demand is as strong as some people think for next year, and that's the other thing, Jim, you should these estimates for demand for mm -hmm. next year, they're all over the place. The OPEC <laughs> OPEC's looking for two point two million barrel a day growth. The IEA, I think, is at uh, one point seven. Yep. Yeah, one seven. Yep. yep. I think the government's like around one five. You know, the EIA, and uh, we're we're like around one two, one three. So th those estimates are, are also all over the place, um, depending on how strong or weak you think the economy is going to be, uh, where and where China comes out uh on uh on its demand um you know again you know you're, you're looking at some pretty big um big swings and the other point I, I think that you were making jim is that you know these banks have been touting the the hundred dollar scenario and uh certainly there was a lot of um and and there's been a lot of there's been a there was a tremendous amount of net length built up into the into this right. market right you know in in anticipation of um the embargo and the zero you know zero covid and um you know it's so the length has now been liquidated basically 
Uh, here's an amazing stat. In the last four weeks, the net length of Brent um, speculators, large money managers, was down 143,000 contracts. Jeez. One week alone, it was down 70,000 contracts. And I think this is also part and parcel of, for a lot, for much of uh, last, this year, the, the play was the inflation play. And you wanted to be long commodities. Uh, and then all of a sudden, in November, I think it began, that, that inflation play was sort of going by the boards with the rising interest rates. And it became more of a recession play. Uh, or let's not be that long for commodities. You know, let, let's be flat or maybe even a little bit. They're not that short, but, uh, you know, I'm certain, uh, certainly the um, big liquidation was, was one of the main movers in crude going from like 90 to 70, you right. know, in the blink <laughs> of an eye. Yep. Yep. And everybody, including myself, who had forecast, hey, it could trade by it could trade a hundred by December, January. You know, we're all sitting there with uh, you know, egg egg all over our faces. Right. At least it's scrambled egg. Scrambled egg. Yes. Right. Yes. And you mentioned the uh, you know, the macro environment. Um, you know, the Fed's just raised base fifty basis points, uh, interest rates, and and they said you're gonna basically gonna keep interest rates higher for longer. And um I guess their terminal rate was bumped up a little bit and the, all their dots uh, are, are up there as well. So, so, you know, if the Fed stays true to form, they're going to overdo it. And so that might also be a problem with oil demand. Um, I remember uh, uh, a prominent uh, oil economist said, if you, if you can get a handle, this, this is uh, pre-COVID, he said, if you can get a handle on the GDP and, and weather, you got a pretty good idea about the, you know where 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 uh, oil demand uh, will be. So um, I don't know if it still if it still feels that way with all the stuff that's been going on. But so that so there might be a you know recession in in our future that really takes this market down. And so it's so it's um it's really interesting because the uh, you know the tails are in play both sides, right? Both sides. Yeah, yeah. You know, along along that note. Uh, on the the uh, recession, one one thing that we're definitely seeing on on demand is that gasoline demand in the United States stinks. I mm. mean, November was a is it November and now into December is 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 a disaster area. Um, we've had like four straight weeks of eight point three million barrels a day, and you know we had we had forecast or I had forecast eight eight or eight nine as November demand. So, you know, uh, there'll be revisions and everything, but oh, those are, that number is horrendous. Like really, really horrendous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see if it's just the quirk of the, of the month or, uh, you know, it isn't like demand was booming all, all this year anyway. Uh, it, it hasn't been, it's probably going to end up a little bit ahead or a little bit behind last year. But nevertheless, this is like a fall off the table, well, uh, poor demand. You know, if you think about inflation being up, that that cuts into people's real incomes, and that's it's got to show up somewhere. And and even now with November rolling in, and now we're in December, uh, utility bills 
are going to be much higher than they were last year, especially the heating part of it, whether it's gas or or oil, and that's going to pinch as well. So that you think about food and energy, uh, costs going up, taking a, a little bigger bite out of a budget, it's got to show up somewhere, and maybe maybe that's what's happening. I don't I don't know. I, I think that's a plausible explanation, along with uh, you know some of the larger trends, the the work at home, you know, the the rise of, of uh, electric vehicles, uh, certainly the high prices, although now uh, we're below where we were last year and pump prices have really come off hard. Right. Uh, and that's, you know, as a result, uh, one of the results of, of um, pathetic demand. Yes. Um, um, so we'll see for now, you know, we'll see for next year. The diesel demand, too, is nothing to write home about. So, um, you know, it's not as bad as gasoline, but it's not particularly good either. So um, you're telling me refineries are uh, crying right now? Well, no, they're not crying. They're, they still have decent margins, but, you know, they came out of the, what, what's happened is diesel margins were so great that refiners came out of turnarounds. And, and also remember, there was no damage due to hurricanes this year. So refiners were able to come out of, of uh, the maintenance period and crank. I mean, really crank with, you know, and crank for diesel. And, and when they're cranking, they're, they're also making more gasoline. So we've seen over the last few weeks, gasoline stocks build by uh, like 18 million barrels and, and diesel stocks up 14. We're still tight here in the Northeast, but there's been it's not as bad as it was and margins yeah they've come off you know they've come off they're still pretty good you know mm -hmm. they're not gonna you know i don't think they're gonna stop runs uh, uh unless you know we, we didn't talk about the um well, we didn't talk about the keystone pipeline going down which it did it was a leak and it was closed i don't think any of the actually margins in the midwest are, are poor Cash prices are well under the screen, and margins really aren't that good. So, um, you know, maybe some of the, and depending on how their crude slates are and how how their crude supplies are, you know, maybe some of their the Midwest refiners will uh, cut back a little. We'll see. Mm -hmm. uh, Gulf Coast too. The margins aren't great. They're not bad. The yeah, the Midwest they're not going to cut back. Yeah, the mid the Midwest are going to cut back because if you have access to um, WTI, you're you're okay. The um, Keystone leak was it that brings about what six hundred thousand barrels into the country? Right, right. Um, what's the latest on um, when we're going to get that back or, or partially back? Or it's partially they they've reopened parts of the pipeline. They haven't really announced when the, there's going to be the full reopening. So uh you know hopefully it'll be in the next week or two but obviously it's gonna start it, it'll bite you know it'll definitely bite you know one, one last thing talking about the keystone pipeline and the supplies at cushing which are really really low right now and there was some uh concern that if the keystone was down for you know into january it could go under operational minimals but yet Incredibly, the um, 
the the structure collapsed. I know. I was gonna do. You were gonna say that. Yeah. I said, what What's going on there? What is going? I yeah. you know I, I really. I yeah. I, some of it had to be the liquidation, the speculative liquidation, but you'd think it would just like roar right back. Yeah. And uh, you know, it hasn't. Maybe runs are gonna go down. I, I don't know. I mean that that and. Uh, the Brent too, Brent structure was was contango as well, uh, but that may be because of the high Russian production and apparently there's euros all over the place. So so maybe that's you know they overdid it, right? Their appetite got way too big prior to the to the embargo, right. the refiner appetite, and maybe the trader appetite. I don't I don't know abroad, but here I I don't it it's hard to fathom how the structures come off so hard. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, so January options go off today. So the futures go off in three more business days. So we'll keep an eye on that spread going out and also see what happens with uh, Fed March and keep an eye on, you, you say they're not going to cut back runs, but that that also looks like a uh, less a lower demand situation where maybe somebody is going to cut back. So right. you know, keep right. an eye on that as well. Which would certainly be, you know, that obviously would be bearish, but and then we headed to February. It's turnaround anyway, you know. I think, uh, and we'll we'll see you know, the extent of the Feb March turnarounds. But um, yeah, we've got a really interesting year coming up. They do <laughs> after after an incredibly, you know, it'll it'll be hard pressed to, to be as interesting in twenty twenty three as twenty twenty two. You know, I don't want to say we'll see vol. What was the high on vol this year, Jim? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Around? To, yeah, you know, I don't have my sheets in front of me, but did it get All up right, to well, 60 this year? I don't know. But it, we're, we're pretty, we're at the low for a while now. Yeah. 43, yeah. 44%. Yeah. I just want to, before we go, I want to talk about the SPR. Are you getting a lot of questions like at Thanksgiving? Are we Are we worried that the SPR is getting too low? And I didn't think it was, um, but I want to hear what you have to say. I don't. I think I don't. I don't think it, it's too low. Uh, we we've sold about seven hundred thousand barrels a day out of the SPR, and it is going to be replenished. Uh, it's just a question of of when. Uh, certainly, when the market was down at seventy, there were a lot of people saying, "Well, this would be a good time to be." in the back of the curve, you know, to try to do something in, in the back. And then I was thinking, you know, really would be great if, if we could hedge in the back of the curve when oh, it was you know, had five handles, right? Yeah. And then I'm thinking, all right, who's going to be brave enough to put on a position knowing that the opposition party, no matter what happens, is going to be back trading you from yeah. here to you know here to the 2024 election but it would be great if we could do it well just i mean think about you you could you could finance your storage of things but all the times we've been in contango in deep contango where they could have just filled you know it's kind of what china does they would prices they, i mean they actually probably call prices but you have a spread going where where you can buy it cheap and sell it you could you you know you could even you don't even have to do it. You could rent out your storage for a good amount that you have that's not being used. I'm not sure the Fed knows there's a price curve. Yeah, you know, based on they gotta know that. You would think they would. Yes, you would think oh, so. 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, because it's there's sometimes it's self-financing, you know, there's, there's things to do that just make sense. Not even it's not even a spec play. It's kind of a this is what you should be doing. Let, letting some oil out and buying it back cheaper in the back part of the curve. And what you know, a great trade. That. You don't have to do it on a big amount, but just enough to, you know, pay your bills. Yeah. But in any event, given given where we are uh, on the the SPR, remember there's a big change from when we first started uh, filling those salt caverns when we were, you know, we were huge importers. Right. Uh, we're still in the, we're still a net importer of of crude, but for petroleum, we're we're a net exporter. So you know, I think given. I could do the math really. We're supposed to be 90 days of uh of net crude exports. So that will be we're like 2.4. Yeah, we're like at 161 days, I think, if I did the math right. right. You know, it's almost double of what we're really supposed to have. So no, the answer is the SPR is I think in pretty good shape for us. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't foresee unless prices get out of control again. You know, I don't. I don't think we're going to have any more releases. They, they could move up some of the, the. There are. There are there are sales scheduled, but they were scheduled not because of a, a shortfall. They were scheduled to pay for a fiscal, to pay for for the budget. Right. Remember this? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. The Congress used the SPR to uh to pay for uh you know their, their shortfall so all these guys that have been bitching about us selling spr barrels you know they should look in the mirror because they're using it to sell to finance their to finance their deficit oh that's yeah we're i don't know andy you hit i can't bring this up because it's you sound like a a, a kook but this we have some i think we have an issue with our deficit and I don't know the guy we have in office now. He just wrote another check for fifty billion, and he's like, "Where's this money coming from?" He's throwing billions around. Remember, when billions used to be real money. Now it's now he's throwing trillions around. What am I talking about? But it's um, yeah. We, we, so at some point, we're gonna have to pay the piper, or our, our kids will, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, um, but I have to say, uh, really, that that. Releasing the the SPR barrels, uh, I think, was was um, in retrospect a, a good play. Yeah, and uh, did help did help to tamp down uh, crude prices. And uh, eventually, yes. even though the crunch on gasoline was not, you know, had there were a lot of factors for um, pump prices going over five dollars this year. You know, I, I do think that releasing the SPR was the right thing to do, and. You know, I, I think if I was president, God forbid, um, you know, I would have done the same thing. Oh yeah, definitely. And I also um, would have, I also would have tried to repeal the Jones Act. Yeah, I my, it. yes, yes. Right, we talked yeah. about that. Talk about that. It's, it's, All right. Anyway, let's talk about price. Yes, I was just getting to there. We're, it looks like we're around uh, seventy-six dollars in January WTI. Give me a give me a, proje a projection for the next month. Well, what I th so. I think that given what we're looking at the, you know, we're we're looking at for the first half of the year a modest surplus, but it could go either way to a 
uh, a modest deficit. Again, as we said, there's a lot of scenarios, but just based on uh, what I see in, on the S&D numbers, uh, I had written in our monthly report that I thought for WTI that 75 to 85 was a, a decent range. Uh, and then immediately the day after it was released, of course, the market went like straight to $70. Of course. Yeah. But I still think that's, you know, for now, I think that's a good range, 75 to 85. You know, the, the, as we said, ad nauseum, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty and uh, we still have the we still have the winter ahead of us you know right. at least at least january and february ahead of us so i really wouldn't want to get too short this market and with the with the big liquidations you know a lot of the length is gone so um i i think there's some i think there's some modest upside i don't think it's a i don't think it's a hundred unless things you know unless the weather really gets cold you know brutally cold right uh, but i think 75 85 is is, is good it's a good number and what would you say going forward is the strongest and the weakest of the three crude oil, diesel, distillates, and um, gasoline prices? I, I think, well, again, had, if you look at uh, inventories in Central Atlantic and New England, they're really low still. You know, we've rebuilt them some. For diesel. Uh, for diesel, yeah, for diesel. So, you know, I still believe that should we get a really cold, you know, things, if we get one of those 1989 type winners, oh uh, there, there could be, you know, there could be a massive squeeze on um, on diesel. So, you know, I really, I really wouldn't want to be short New York Harbor diesel right now. So I guess I would say, you know, I'd, I'd, diesel is the one that I think could be, could be the strongest. And then we'll see. You know, a lot of a lot of the diesel for the rest of the you know, as we look out, a lot's going to depend on what happens to the you know the Russian exports, where the Chinese the Chinese have been exporting a tremendous amount of diesel. So we'll see, you know, where Asia comes out if we still see start seeing a lot a lot of barrels coming out of that. And of course, the global economy. You know, are we going to grow? Are we going to be stagnant? Are we going to be into a big recession? And, and do, you, do you see anything that's going to help gasoline demand going forward? Do you expect it to kind of? I can't believe it's. Yeah, I can't believe it's going to stay that bad. <laughs> I really, you know, that's what I. You know, well, January and February are soft anyway. Right. But, can, yeah. You know, I guess we know that EV vehicles sales continue; their market share continues to grow, and that's certainly taking out some demand. And people still want to work from home, and that's taking out some demand. Right. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I just, again, I can't believe it could be this bad. <laughs> okay, uh, Andy, let's wrap it up. Any Anything that you want to talk about that we missed? I think we covered a lot here today. Yeah, we covered a lot. Just want to wish everybody uh, happy holidays, and thanks for listening to us this year. If you want more information, you can uh, find us, uh, Jim mentioned at the beginning, uh, Commodity Research Group on uh, .com. And my email is alebeau at commodityresearchgroup.com. Thanks, Andy. 